The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Feng Shui with Christina Hollinger. You guessed it. I'm so glad you're here. I say that every single week, but I just cannot thank you enough for being a part of this brand new community. This is the very first season of this podcast, and I'm happy to say that this is the 21st episode already, and we have not missed a week since we started in January So I just want to thank you. Thank you for being a part of this journey with me. And it's actually expanding next year. We're going to have season two. Season two is going to start in the fall. If you've been following me, you know, I am a teacher. I've been working in education now for 15 years, and I really like to go with the flow of the teacher school year schedule. So I'm going to take a month or two off to spend quality time with my two young kids. I have Abby, who's eight, Henry, who is four. He'll be turning five in August. And I won't be a stranger. You'll see me on social media. You'll see me um, just out and about enjoying family time. And uh, also you'll see me in the private feng shui group. If you decide to join, I'm going to be spending a little bit of time there this summer just to help everybody to absorb all of the awesome things we learned this year and make sure you're caught up and ready to go so that when we start new content in the fall in my private group, you are ready for the new content and ready to apply some new feng shui adjustments to the most important areas of your home, including your front door, kitchen, and bedroom. And of course, we're going to cover a plethora of other topics. So that being said, I'm going to keep this intro very short. This is not the last episode. I'm going to do one more episode next week here's the thing. I'm trying to get a petition to get my husband on the show. I want to interview him next week. I want him to share what it's been like to experience living with a feng shui practitioner for the past 10 years. When my husband and I first got married, I was not into feng shui. I didn't even really know what it was. And it was after we got married that I actually stumbled upon feng shui during a time when I felt that 
Life seemed to be going pretty good from the outside, but deep down, I longed for something more. And feng shui helped me to unlock a lot of areas of my life where I felt insecure and out of control. And it helped me to expand into a higher and even greater version of myself. And my husband has reaped the benefits of it over the years through many job promotions and career expansions, as well as our family has grown and expanded as well. So yeah, just sending, send out some good vibes. Maybe Andy would like to talk about his experience. That would be kind of cool for our final episode next week. And um, if he doesn't join, that's fine. I will come on here solo just to say one final thank you and leave you with some words of encouragement for the summer um, until we meet again for season two. So that being said, this episode is for you if you are a teacher or a parent, especially. Um, I'm interviewing Kathleen Barney, who is a first grade teacher. She's been teaching this for in this particular role for 10 years, but she's had more experience than that. And I will really let her introduce herself. She is incredible. She worked with me all year and she applied feng shui adjustments to her classroom. And those benefits trickled into her personal life, as well as of course, influencing her students. She also worked with me on some other projects, including bringing emotional freedom tapping technique to her students as a self-regulation and emotion management strategy. It has been just an incredible journey. There's been visual transformation, but also so much more. In a time where it's easy to get burnt out, in a time when it's easy to get overwhelmed with everything there is to do in life as a teacher and a parent, I just hope that this episode brings you hope. I hope it brings you some ideas that are practical. And I just overall hope that you leave this conversation feeling lighter and more joyful and inspired. Enjoy this conversation I have with teacher Kathleen Barney and let me know what you think. Feel free to DM me or to send me an email with any questions you might have. It's a really juicy episode and you might have some follow-up that you would like to talk about. So I'd be happy to hear from you. All right. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Kathleen, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. I am so excited that you're here. And actually, listeners, I just I was talking to Kathleen prior to starting this recording. We've been working together all year in her first grade classroom. And I just basically told Kathleen, like, this is going to help so many people. So whether you are a teacher, I know this is going to help teachers and it's going to serve you greatly. But even if you're just a parent as well, I think that this is going to be a really, really incredible conversation. Kathleen is both a parent and a teacher, and she incorporated feng shui in her classroom this year for the first time ever. And she has been experiencing major shifts and huge results, not only in her classroom, but in her personal life. So we're going to dive right in. But first, Kathleen, I would just love it if you could just introduce yourself to to everyone, let us know a little bit about who you are personally, and of course, who you are professionally as a first grade teacher and kind of where you are in your career as well. 
sure. Well, thank you so much again for having me. I just, I feel so special that you are interviewing me on a podcast because um, I am just like your everyday person. Um, I'm a mom to two boys um, who are eight and six years old, Liam and Grayson, um, my husband, Craig, and um, we live here in the local area just outside of Chicago. Um, I'm a first grade teacher, been teaching for, I think I've just finished up my 11th year. 10 of year, those years have been in first grade. So that's where my heart's been <laughs> for most of the time. Um, yeah, so I'm also beginning in May and just weeks my master's in administration so that's my next step is I'm working towards going the admin route we'll see I'm we'll see how this goes so but I'm very excited about that and um I also in addition to being a first grade teacher um we have a 21st century grant and do run our after school program so I've been able to work with uh staff and service about 70 students a semester to give them enrichment um, during the after school year. So that's kind of another part time job on top of the teaching, but I absolutely love it. Um, my husband just bought a business back in August. So um, he's an entrepreneur and I guess I'm along for the ride because for partnership in that. And we've just been so busy with trying to further our careers and also still um, having that balance of being parents to our two young boys who are active as well and yeah, just getting through <laughs> the way of life. I feel that so deeply and actually right before we started recording I told you that I was just like you know as I work in schools full-time in public education I also have this business of a feng shui practitioner and it is a lot to juggle and I watch you in your classroom and you you're just so you've created a second home in your classroom and you are truly just there's such flow and patience in the way that you approach everything that you do with your students and I get it like it's it's hard though too because it's like you have to be able to go home and give that same sort of love and presence with your own children. And it can sometimes feel like a lot. And before we got on this call, I just, I was kind of talking to Kathleen about how, when I wrote my book, Teaching from the Heart with Feng Shui, Inspired Living for Teachers, Parents, and Kids, I prefaced this whole concept that we need to care for our own personal energy and ourselves in order to be able to give to others. And I sort of told teachers that I think it would be best to start to feng shui your home first, because your home is your sanctuary. It's where you recharge and you need that in order to give more to your students. And yet I was had the honor of working with Kathleen this year and she actually did the opposite. She actually started to integrate feng shui and design her classroom around those feng shui principles. And the magnificent thing about this was that it not only influenced her students and the way her classroom felt and functioned, but it also influenced her personal life. So before we get into the feng shui magic, which is why we're here and why it's super fun to talk about, um, because listeners, I mean, 
until up until this point, I've been the only person who's actually tried feng shui in my classroom and seen the magic. And so to actually see it work for someone else was a beautiful thing. But I want to talk a little bit about your husband just for a quick second. I know he graduated from Northwestern uh, with an MBA, the master's program at Northwestern. I think it's called the Kellogg, Kellogg School or something, right? Yes, Kellogg. Mm-hmm. So yeah. tell me a little bit about his journey because I know like this is, I, it's so funny because I, when I did feng shui and I started, what was really fun was to see how opportunities opened up for my husband. So even though my husband doesn't necessarily do feng shui, so to speak, he sort of benefits because I set intentions for our family and I set intentions for our life and it's fun to watch things open up for him. And I've experienced this for a decade now, but now I have Kathleen who's tried feng shui. And I want to know just a little bit more background on your husband. Cause I know as we talk, some of the feng shui adjustments sort of influenced him this year, right? Yes, definitely. So my husband, Craig, he graduated December of 2019 from Kellogg at Northwestern. And it was a very intense program for two years. Um, but we had big ambitious goals and just were so ready. Like he was ready to further his career and had learned so much. And then March 2nd of 2020, he lost his job from the company that he had been working at for 17 years. And um, he worked in the hospitality industry before and then COVID hit too. So initially when he lost his job, we were kind of like, oh, wow, this is like maybe this is a sign. This is a great opportunity because they, what had happened is they had bought another company and his position was eliminated. And we were like, well, this is time that we can look and he can go do something else. Well, then COVID hit and that just changed everything because sure as everybody knows there weren't many job opportunities, especially in the hospitality industry. (laughs) And he was unemployed for far longer than we ever anticipated. Um, in that time, I was lucky that I um, had interviewed and had accepted a new position at the district that I work at with you, Christina, and that kind of opened a door because it was a larger district, provided health insurance for our family that I didn't have at my previous job, so we were able to keep ourselves afloat, and we had to really take a step back and um, reflect on, like, okay, what are we going to do? Because he wasn't completely happy in his previous role. And while he was at Kellogg, he had learned a lot about business acquisition. So we decided that he was going to go that route. And we found a business that we did end up purchasing, which was a whole thing in itself and closed on in August of 2021. And that has also led to bumps in the road that we weren't expecting. Um, We had issues with the whole SBA loan process and just we're really trying to flow on, you know, me as a teacher, (laughs) the salary supporting our family and getting this business up and running. And um, so, yeah, it it was, it's been, it's been probably the most difficult couple of years that we've had um, as a family. But um, I mean, I kind of, that lends its way into the feng shui. I was presented with this opportunity and, um, by my principal is who connected us to do it in the classroom. But looking at those things and starting to make um, adjustments, there have been ways that we have creatively gotten through this. And 
now his business, you know, it's still, you know, being a business owner is like being on a roller coaster, up and you're down, up and you're down. And so we're along for the ride. But I think that my ability to, you know, manifest and keep those logical feelings and looking at ways to be creative has really helped for him to flourish. And um, honestly, when I first told him about like the feng shui and things I was doing, he's like, oh, that's great. Good for you. And then I started doing small things in the home. Like I bought a bamboo plant and put it in our wealth area. (laughs) And he, he was like, really? Like, what are you doing? But we had another way of, we didn't end up getting the SBA loan fully funded. We had expected, but um, another type of business loan came through in a different way. And he's like, wow, like this happened. Um, Things with me starting my admin degree, we had to put that off for a little bit because of just everything going on at home. And I am actually waiting to hear, but fingers crossed, it's looking good that I'm going to be a recipient of a scholarship that will help with that. And I really do believe that it's just from all that I've learned from feng shui and looking for things, how you said, Christina, like in your podcast that I've listened to in the books, that things may not always come the way that you expect it, but there are other ways to creatively get to your dream and your goal and what you're doing. Um, so yeah, it's been a pretty amazing journey. <laughs> Kathleen, I love that so much. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing all the ins and outs. I want to go into when we first met. It was at the beginning of this school year. So I want to say maybe September, October of 2021. And I do remember vividly talking with you and you sort of told me about how your husband started business. You were waiting on the small business loan. And I remember one day when I visited your classroom, you told me how tired you were because instead of paying someone to do a job, your husband and you went in and did the work to sort of save money. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like the struggle is real, right? And that is challenging because you have two young kids, you're trying to start a business, you're a full-time teacher, full-time after-school program leader. And, you know, for anyone listening, it could be hard to listen to something like this and think, oh, I'm going to just do a feng shui adjustment and it's going to like change my life. Okay. Do you realize how hard life can be? (laughs) And I do. And what I want to say is like, that's why I'm here. That's why I felt so called to write my book and to share this message is because I didn't come from money and life is hard. But when you do start to do some of these small little shifts and adjustments, it does a few things. It gives you hope. And it also empowers you to make changes in your life in a tangible way. You can change your environment and then trust the universe to answer with some creative solutions. So Kathleen, you talked about the bamboo plant. Can you just tell me a little bit more about like what you did? Like, did you kind of explain like exactly how that worked? Sure. I mean, my husband actually gave me a lot of crap for buying this bamboo plant. He's like, what did you do? Because I mean, we've, we've been on a pretty strict budget right now. And he's like, you went out and bought this bamboo plant and you spent this much. And I mean, I got a big one. <laughs> and it's, and it's in, so 
I have done, like you said, I reversed. I've done my classroom has the gouache and has been feng shui. I have not done as much in my home and that's my next step. But I knew that the wealth area is what we really needed to focus on <laughs> just to get through this year. And so I went to Home Depot and I bought this huge bamboo plant. I think, I can't remember what I listened to. If it was your masterclass podcast about things to do with like switching the burner of where you like, hook and things like that. And so I bought this bamboo plant. Our kitchen is in the wealth area of our home. Um, I set it there and I was like, no, this is going to work. It's going to do that. I also bought um, a purple violet plant. This <laughs> purple was the color you said and set it in there. And then I actually had crystal that were given to me like three years ago from a teaching assistant I worked with because, and I didn't really know anything. I'm like, oh, these are pretty like I don't know what to do with them and I had um is it amethyst is that the one that you the, the purple, purple amethyst? Yeah. Um, yes yes I had one of those I just had one of them in my house laying around and so I like in that area and um I mean I'm not saying that like because I just like set these things in my home that it did I mean a lot of there's a lot more that goes to feng shui which is what I have learned but um I don't know, just doing those things and making that flow and just continuing to read and learn from you and just going out and reading other articles. It really just has changed my mindset. And my husband now is like, man, that bamboo plant's paying for itself. (laughs) He teases me so much, but um, yeah, so just, just starting to do simple little changes in my home and um, just the way that the flow is and just making things easier. I mean, everybody's in the morning, right? Like <laughs> everybody's rushed to get places like feng shui. So much of it too, is just that flow and having things so that they, they move smoother and things are easier to do. And um, I live by the quote of life is 90% is what happens or 10% is what happens to you. And 90% is how you react to it. And I think so much of that goes with the feng shui changing your mindset and how you look at things and what you're going to manifest into your life because everybody has their own battles that they're um, fighting and their own challenges and it just really depends on what what are you going to make of that what are you going to do to overcome that and how are you going to let it impact what you do and how are you going to react I love that and you know I don't want to like freak anyone out with all like the scientific, the quantum physics and the psychology behind feng shui. But I just, I just want to say, I know that there is something to it. There's a reason why it works. And what I want to capture is the feng shui adjustment to put bamboo in your wealth area has some true meaning behind it. The wealth area of your home is in the far back left area upon entering. So when you enter your home, the far back left area is the wealth space. And it's activated by the wood element and bamboo actually represents the wood elements just because of, you know, the shape of it. It's, it's that, um, that sturdy, tall upward growth. And the reason why it's so auspicious in the wealth area is because it's hollow on the inside and bamboo represents that hollowness represents your ability to receive and your openness to receiving more abundance. 
Now that can work for you, just like it worked for Kathleen, but I think the next layer and what's so important to these adjustments is your intention. So when Kathleen placed the bamboo and the purple amethyst and the purple violet, because purple also activates the wealth area, um, long ago, purple was the only color was only available to royals because the ink was so expensive to produce. So of course, purple now represents the royal color and it does activate pros uh, prosperity. And what I'm learning is that abundance is always having enough to, for your needs and prosperity is having more than enough, an abundance of like even more, an overflow, if you will. So when you place those things with intention, that's when it becomes very, very effective. And I've shared this with my listeners before, and I'll say it again. I started feng shui in 2012 as a Google guru. And I think I was so effective and I manifested so much within a year because my intention was so powerful, but let's I'll step back and kind of, I would love to hear from your perspective. What was it like? What are some things you did to integrate feng shui into your classroom? And then like, how did that sort of impact the way you teach? And also how did it influence your students? Sure, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> so uh, as I said in the beginning, our prince, my principal emailed me and said, hey, like, would you like to be a lab class? classroom to do feng shui with Christina Hollinger and I'm like sure yeah I'm always open to it and I'm figuring that's just she's gonna help me organize declutter and like move stuff <laughs> little did I know it's so much more um so I know you came in and you made it so easy Christina because you told me you know you're like let's just focus on this in small parts because when you first see it, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, anybody who's a teacher knows that having a classroom is almost like having another home. There's just so much stuff. Um, and we started with just the decluttering and looking at things and then, yes, focusing on the wealth and the relationship area. So simple things in the beginning was just placement of items in the classroom after decluttering. I know you had me like tilt my desk to an angle and think about not having any students back to the door. Um, luckily, my desk was already in a power position. Um, so we had those things. And then um, we talked about the different elements. And, you know, some of it was with decor and I had some fun with it. I know in my well area, I was lucky to have an amazing student teacher. She helped me create like this tree that goes above my desk with like, I did um, leaves hanging down and I specifically did them in the shape of like money tree leaves. Like I just put a lot of thought into it so that I was thinking about what was happening. Um, we did uh, mountains on one side of the room where, um, I can't, what, what is that gua? I'm so Wisdom sorry for the- Wisdom and knowledge. Okay, yes. <laughs> but um, I had a map of my whole classroom. I just divided it into the nine guas and I started, you know, putting those colors and shapes in the fame and reputation area. I have a huge sun that goes over. So that was really fun, like just making the classroom look beautiful, welcoming to come to. Um, and then I also did a donors choose grants because part of it was with the lighting and how the lighting can impact students and their feelings and how their bodies are reacting to things in the classroom. So I 
um, got some special shades to put over the lights to help with that. Um, but there's so much more that came from it because then I was learning about affirmations and setting your intentions. I went ahead and set my own intentions and I have little post-it notes that are hidden in my classroom with specific intentions. And one of my biggest intentions this year is, you know, a big shift in my life was I went from my husband having this corporate job to where my position was more like, you know, just our disposable income to now I'm the provider for my family. And I really wanted to be able to support my family and be able to, you know, support my husband in this dream of being an entrepreneur and be sure that my two boys are not, you know, feeling a huge adjustment in their life. So um, that was my big, one of my biggest intentions is that I'm able to support my family. And I think coming to work each day, that is me supporting my family. So, you know, I have that intention hidden in my wealth area. Another thing is, I mean, this year was probably the hardest school year I've ever had. And I feel like a lot of teachers can relate to that. Um, I'm on so many social media groups and everybody is just saying it's such a hard year because, you know, we went through this pandemic and I, as I teach first grade, these students, I mean, this was their first year in school for many of them as they have, they didn't, most of our population at my school doesn't go to preschool and then kindergarten, they were remote or just didn't attend. So here they are coming into class, but they're still expected to learn first grade standards. They, you know, we didn't change our curriculum, like, nope, okay, here you are, and you have to do this. And with that frustration came some really big emotions from students. I mean, I remember <laughs> the first week of school going out in the hall when, after they had gone out to lunch, and I just started crying because in I'm not usually like that, but it was just so hard. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them. And just putting these practices into place, I saw a sense of community beginning in my classroom. I saw because I was at peace and was happier to come to the place that I'm in all day because I felt good about it, you know, that pushes off onto my students. And it was just amazing to see the community start to begin. I know you came in one day, Christina, um, and helped with a watercolor project that we did. I saw, um, you know, was, I don't, I still don't know where I saw this. You did something with your own two children where you had them write in pencil on the wall. There, yeah, their affirmations and things that they hope, and then you painted over them. So we did that. We did, I did a whole lesson with my um, kiddos teaching them like what's a positive affirmation and what are you hoping for to happen in first grade and what do you want for our class community and so we wrote those in white crayon on the on paper and then they watercolored over them and we have those hanging in my calming corner and um, the element of water is for that area so we have the watercolor back there and it made a sense of ownership for them because they decorated decorated the area and they know that their affirmations are back there and they love that they had that goal and many of them would go back and say hey look remember this is my um, affirmation like I want to be helpful to others and it's it's hanging here and look Mrs. Barney was I helpful to my friend and just just seeing that change you know so much came from it from like I said I thought in the beginning it was just moving some furniture <laughs> 
and, you know, changing that decor. And it wasn't, there was just so much more that came from it. And I know we'll into this, but, you know, after talking to you and learning more about the emotional freedom technique tapping, just, I'm amazed when I reflect back at the beginning of the school year, the amount of, you know, kiddos having huge emotions and just me having big emotions because not knowing what to do and where we came to just is mind blowing to me. And I feel like you were such a blessing for me this year, Christina, and it happened at the right time. And the fact that um, my principal connected to you, it was just meant to be because I, I mean, there's times where I'm like, should I be like, should I be teaching? Like, am I doing the right thing still? And, and just, I'm just so much happier, happier. And I think too, the other thing is like by me making those changes and putting those intentions in my classroom, it also reflected in my home life and my personal life. Um, I know specifically, like I had um, a colleague of mine gave me, cause I'm obsessed with elephants, <laughs> a metallic, um, I don't know, it's like a Buddha elephant, but uh, I think it's actually, it's my husband told me cause he went to India, but something with like, the sign of like education and it's metallic and you were like oh you should move that over to the helpful people travel area which is where the male energy and everything comes from and I did that and within two weeks this different SBA loan went through and I'm like what what <laughs> like I love it's it. easy to me it is it's so crazy and the helpful people travel area for anyone listening that is um activated by the metal element. And so that's why I just like move the metal, metal, um, you know, decor, move it to the helpful people travel space and set your intention. That also is going to influence your husband's energy. Because remember, you can set your intention for your personal and professional life within your classroom setting. So I want to, you said so many great things and I want to marinate a little bit on the concept of affirmations because well, first of all, before we do that, I want to also highlight just some things that you basically said that were foundational in, before we even started talking about the guas or different areas of life, I did come in and assess where the position of your desk. Most teachers don't sit at their desks very much. However, it still represents your energy in the classroom. So it's really important to have your desk in the command position, which means your back is to a solid wall. You are not in line with the door and the desk is accessible from both sides. So you can kind of walk around it. Um, so there's, you know, ample energy flow. It's just really important. So like for your guided reading groups and your guided writing groups, guided math groups, you actually have like this kidney table where you position yourself in the command position. And I did that as well in my sixth grade classroom. I had multiple areas where I would meet with students. And every time I made sure that my desk or my seat was oriented in the command position throughout the classroom. So that is important just to give you the most confidence, clarity, and also from a, a logical standpoint, then you can also see the rest of the classroom and you can manage the rest of the classroom as they're doing things. You also mentioned, um, well, actually, maybe you didn't mention this, but I was thinking about it. I gave you some lavender sage spray and I love this stuff. It's oh, kind yes. of like a way that you're not going to like use, you know, burn Palo Santo in your classroom. It probably just isn't up to code. So you can use a sage spray 
And when the students aren't in the classroom, I would always do this. I would kind of crack open the windows to refresh the energy and I would circulate the room. You could use a wind chime or clap your hands to break up the energy and then sage spray. And I remember that was one of the very first things that you did. And Kathleen, didn't you tell me like people would like walk in your classroom and be like, feels really good in here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, I forgot to mention that. Yes. So the sage spray too, I use that really the day and we call it our calming spray and the kids ask for it. they love it they love it and yeah I have had a few colleagues that you know just stop in who are usually in my room like other grade level teachers if they need to pick up something they're like oh it's it's so like calm in here and like and I don't know that they know that I've feng shuied my room but they did that I was like oh my gosh yes. like it's working it's working you also gave me um I remember when we met, you gave me some crystals to hang on a red um, thread. And so I have one of those hanging over my board. And you told me the reason why I should do it there because of the, what, what is it? Maybe Electromagnetic radiation. Like something with electronics. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Like your smart board. So, and then the third piece that I wanted to mention is you talked about the lighting in your classroom, and this actually connects with what you're talking about with the crystal. And I talk about this in my book that students naturally have very yang active energy. Their little bodies are just full of potential energy. And that's why we try to incorporate movement and things like that in within the classroom. But think about it. We also have so many other pieces of our classroom that are very yang energy. We've got fluorescent lights in many classrooms. We've got our smart boards, Chromebooks. All of those are very yang and active energy, which is why we want to try to balance and bring more yin energy in. So some ways that you brought some yin energy to sort of tone it down and calm down the classroom is you put a couple of different shades over your fluorescent lights, just to, it's not totally dark in there, but it just, there's a little bit of balance, right? It's not always super mm -hmm. um, bright. And when I had a sixth grade classroom, I didn't do that. But what I did do is I would balance out, like if we were doing a specific activity on the smart board, sometimes I would turn the lights off. So it's just like that balance of sometimes we have the lights off. Sometimes we turn the lights on just so that it's not always super high energy with the lighting. Um, and then I also put a feng shui crystal on top of my smart board. And I noticed you were able to hang it on a nine inch red thread, which is cool too. When you put a feng shui crystal near your smart board or near your Chromebook charging station, what it does is I kind of like to say it looks like a little disco ball invisibly. Um, the faceted crystal sort of disperses the energy more evenly. So it's less potent and less effective, or it, it impacts you less as far as like those the electromagnetic radiation and things like that. So yeah, you're, you're right on with that. And I just think it helps again, to create that calming atmosphere and that calm vibe. So the third component, I think I'm losing track. We talked about command position using the sage spray, um, and opening windows. And then we talked about a little bit about adding some more yin elements with even the calming music. You do that too. Um, I wanted to sort of marinate on the affirmations piece because you said that you had mm -hmm. affirmations in your wealth area where no one can see it. And I love that because I encourage anyone who does feng shui, once you figure out which areas of life you want the most 
you know, you seek the most improvement, you can set your intentions for those areas of life. And then eventually you um, had your students do it too. On page 62 of my book, I actually have like suggested affirmations for different areas. So in your classroom, maybe you set your intention for your wealth and it could be personal. I wrote something like the universe provides everything I need in creative ways. That's an example of a wealth affirmation. A relationship affirmation, you might say something like, my students collaborate and help each other. I am supported by my colleagues. So you can set your intention for your relationships for your, your students in the class and also for your relationships with your colleagues. And you can even set your personal relationships because we know our personal life influences our professional life. And all of this is to say, like, when you do those affirmations, and I know, Kathleen, you taught this to your students, you're saying it as if it's happening already in the now. And that's just the key that you want to, you know, really know. And I think words carry energy, whether they're hidden, whether they're out for kids to see, like you did with the watercolor activity, they hold energy and they hold power. And to your point, what I had my kids do in, we were repainting Abby's bedroom Abby's eight years old now and her bedrooms in our wealth area of our home. And since we knew we were painting, we had the kids, I didn't call them intentions. I called them wishes. And what I had them do is take pencils and they wrote their wishes on the wall. And then we had our painter paint over our intentions or our wishes. And of course I wrote my intention for our wealth. My husband wrote his intentions on the wall for the wealth and We've done that actually throughout our whole house because every time we're painting, we write our intentions depending on what area of life it is. So yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of power in that. If you get anything from this, try that. <laughs> I can't wait till we have to paint again. I have to paint my bathroom this summer, so. Perfect. So get the get that pencil <laughs> ready and get those intentions going. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I promise you it's not, I, I really appreciate you kind of unpacking some of the things that you did in your classroom. I have some video footage of the before and after of how you decluttered, how you decorated, how you made it student-centered. And it just feels really, really good in your class. What month was it that we just, you and I, well, shout out to Kathy, your principal who connected us in the first place. She also gave your staff something called a genius hour. Can you kind of introduce what that meant and like how then we sort of expanded our collaboration? Yes, yes. So yes, shout out to Kathy who connected us. <laughs> and um, so Genius Hour is what we ended up doing for our professional development as a school for the remainder of the year. We had a lot of feedback from staff just saying that, you know, they really wanted differentiated opportunities for what they can improve upon instant, instead of having to hear the same PD every year. And so Genius Hour was where we got to choose something that we were interested in to learn more. So those early release days where we had professional development, they gave us time to do further research. So some teachers did science of reading. I know a group of students did um, or staff did uh, better phonics instruction. We had our fourth grade team did book clubs and um when they presented this to me, I was actually talking to our learning coach before I knew this was going to happen, just mentioning about what I was doing with you and how oh, I want to learn more about this EFT tapping. And she goes, well, we're going to have this genius hour. 
And so I chose and our guest teacher went with me and then my student teacher came along for the ride and talking with you, Christina, to learn more about emotional freedom um, technique tapping. And uh, so we started talking about that. You were the first person who put that into my mind. I just, I had a lot of students this year with, with some major trauma. They had like loss of parents. And I just, I knew that I needed something that could help them, that they could carry with them at home because fidgets are fantastic, but they can be annoying as a teacher at times because they're in the way. They can't really bring a fidget home always because they lose them. And when you told me about this and learning more about it, I was like, we need to do this. Like this class needs this. Um, and what I ended up learning is that not even just my class, but I have used it with my own sons at home too, like to fall asleep. Um, do you want me to expand like more about like what it is? for teachers? Yeah, or do you I think that would be great because um, I think I introduced it to you. So I'm a Gabby Bernstein spirit junkie, like officially because I took her master class. And one of the components of her master class is to use emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping, to heal traumas. She actually tells us to go through 90 different scenarios and to, it's, do you want me to explain what it is or do you want to do it? No, go for it. Okay. You can explain and then. Just in general, it's pretty, to, to put it simply, um, emotional freedom technique is actually quite simple. It's a, um, you, you tap on different acupressure points and different energy meridians of your body. And you can, as an adult, you can say a setup statement of something that might be a trigger for you. Something maybe happened to you today or something that happened 20 years ago that triggers you. And then you kind of go through and you tap on these different energy meridians and you sort of go through these mantras of like how you're feeling and you clear out the negative and then you start to replace it with some positive um, affirmations and just different things to look at it and reframe. And it really works on a energy and like a neuro neuroscientific level. It actually helps to calm your brain. It gets you out of fight or flight and it gets you into this relaxed state of being where this is actually where it comes in for students, where this is where we need our students to be in order to learn. So from the student lens, there's actually um, we started looking at the uh, Tapping Solutions website, and they have a book called Gorilla Thumps and Bear Hugs to introduce tapping to students in student-friendly language. And then there's also these videos where students can learn to tap. And at their level, it's more about just kind of integrating some of that positive self-talk so that students can calm their nervous system and also can also kind of reprogram and reframe to really believe in themselves and to, to know that they're a good kid. And so we kind of started looking into it and I found there was a social worker in our school district who already used emotional freedom technique tapping at a school with her students who are in the cross-categorial uh, program. And so there were pockets of, you know, social workers and support like there were also some learning environment coordinators that had used this exact technique with students as maybe like a more intensive support 
but we were like, let's try this as a universal support for the whole class. And we might've started this conversation in like maybe March or something, right? Yes. Yes. I think you like briefly brought it up to me. Yeah. February, March. And I was like, hmm. yeah. And then we just really started getting into the conversation and okay, let's go for it. Let's try to implement this. And it had amazing results. And yeah, I was going to say the tapping solution was something that was really helpful too, because it's kind of uncomfortable in the beginning, knowing like, what do I say with them? How do I lead a meditation? And what I liked about it is they have a whole YouTube website with different affirmate or different tapping uh, with affirmation for different things. So test taking, how to start your day. Um, I think there was one about like, if you're angry with a friend. And so we just started very simply with the one of like, how are we going to start our day? And just saying, even though I may be worried, I'm in a safe place, even though, you know, I'm thinking about something else, school is good for me. And just really like repeating that over and over to them. So they had it drilled in their head and hopefully that good kids and where they're at right now, they're safe and they, they can let go of anything else that is happening at home and that here they're safe. They are safe here in school and we are here for them. Um, and then I know we talked about this. We ended up doing a presentation with the Genius Hour to the staff. And one thing I shared is that with the tapping, they don't even have to always say the affirmations. They kind of just learn how like the different points on their body, where to tap. And they were doing it while they were walking in line because, you know, we have that expectation of level zero in the hall and, you know, they get, they're, they're first graders, they're six and they get, they get jumpy, they get excited. And I'm like, okay, make sure you start tapping. And they, they would just start tapping and it, it might look funny to some who don't <laughs> know what it is, but I'm telling you, it made a huge difference because my, especially my crew this year, they were really young for first grade. And as I said, many of them hadn't been in school. So just letting them to know like how to get their body to calm and sending those um, signals. And I know one thing we noticed is that a lot of them were yawning afterwards and they were like, I'm sleepy. And we're like, that's good because that means that it's working, that it's those those chemicals in your body are calming you down and bringing you back to where you need to be. Um, I even had a few students, I know we ended up making a TikTok and I, I was to figure out a way that I could share that, like maybe get parent permission or something. Cause we had some um, student testimonials and some students even not on there who told us that they were using it at home. I think one student told you specifically, Christina, that he went up to his bedroom one day and started tapping because he was really frustrated with his mom. Like she had made him angry. And so he went up into his room and started tapping. And I just found that amazing that a six, seven-year-old is able to cope with those big emotions on their own because many adults don't even know how to do that. You know, they, you know, their natural reaction is that fight a lot of times, like, oh, I'm going to blow up at you. And instead he was able to tap on his own. And it, it it's just amazing to hear that. I've had students ask me, like, I'm feeling really like jumpy, anxious. Can I go to the common corner and tap? And they're not even necessarily saying the affirmations, but they're just tapping. And then they're able to come back and join us in the class and be part of the community again. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
It's incredible. I did get to talk to some of your students and one girl said that she did tapping at the cafeteria in the cafeteria because no one was sitting with her and she was feeling really sad. And she said, after she was tapping for a little bit, she started to feel better and someone came to sit with her and it was like, Oh, like, it's just incredible to just give a tool. And I wanted to share that, you know, there's different levels of using it. I think as adults, I'm a real huge advocate for adults to be able to have these access to these tools as well, to help to, you to heal, to help you to, um, I mean, we all just have stuff and we just need to clear it so that we can just be better examples for our kiddos. And, um, so to be able to take something that I've learned for my own self-healing and then to see it being used at such a young age, it's just, it's so powerful. And thank you, Kathleen, for being so open to trying something different. Um, I kind of, I like to use Einstein's quote where he says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And we have to get out of this loop of trying to do the same thing and expect a different result. So what you basically did by introducing EFT to your students and your staff so boldly and courageously is you broke the cycle of doing the same thing. And you tried something that does seem a little bit different and it does seem a little bit out there. And yet, you know, there's a book called Connections Over Compliance. And the author talks a little bit about EFT in her book. And she started, like, you're just hearing um, different research around it and a lot of brain research that is saying that some kind, these kinds of techniques are and can be very beneficial to um, helping young brains and adult brains that have experienced trauma, helping them to heal. And when we heal our brains and we kind of introduce a technique like this, essentially what we're doing is we are helping students to be more open and to the learning that needs to occur. And um, I just really want to say thank you for being open to sharing this with other people. I just, I can't imagine. Um, I don't know. We just, we're doing something very different here and I just really appreciate your courage. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, thank you. I have to say too, that I haven't read the entire book Connections Over Compliance yet. I'm doing a book study with our staff this summer, but I read the beginning part and what I really like about it too and this is something for parents and teachers is that it was written post-pandemic and I think that's important to point out because I teaching is so different like it's changed so much in the past three years and even being a parent has changed in the past years. and um just I'm I'm thinking this book is going to really help with how I look at those relationships with students and even my own two sons I've used the tapping some with some with my sons, I can see a change in them since COVID. My older son was in kindergarten when COVID hit and um, he struggled with some things just because, you know, he's very worried about washing his hands all the time, had, had some sensory and just very anxious. And when I told them they could take the mask off that it wasn't for them, I, it might've been for some other kids, but my boys were like, no, we have to wear them. And I'm like, it's okay. I wouldn't let you but I feel like introducing this emotional freedom technique tapping and just a way to help them calm down because they have some really big emotions and worries in there that I didn't even realize necessarily were there that how much 
this pandemic has really affected our kids and it's been a great tool just to help them regulate and come down from that anxious high. Yeah, we're already talking about just based on feedback from teachers for next year that we really are going to focus on. Um, there's different social emotional learning standards, and one of them is self-awareness. So just being aware of your the intensity of your emotions and what what zone or emotion you're feeling. And then also talking about like self-management, we really want to start focusing on giving students the tools to manage those emotions. And one thing that with tapping, the first thing you do is you take a deep breath in and you exhale. And it's just like that, that key, like you always have your breath to come back to. That's the first step in helping students and adults to manage their emotions is just can just remember to breathe. You know, it's so funny how simple simple sometimes that self-management piece can be, but we have to be aware that we're, that we're needing that, you know, like roll your shoulders back, just some simple things we can do just to sort of reset. So thank you. I think you are amazing, Kathleen. I enjoyed our conversation so very much. I will put links to all your social stuff in the show notes, as well as maybe I'll even link in the book connections over compliance. If you're interested, I'll link my book in there because, you know, it's kind of geared towards teachers. And I did give that to you as a gift. I know you used some of it in applying your feng shui. Um, and yeah, but if people want to reach out to you, they can certainly, are you mostly on like, I don't know. Are you mostly on TikTok? Are you mostly on, do you go on Instagram? Where, where do you hang out? Um, so I'm, I would say I'm mostly on Facebook. I'm kind of that older, oh, but I do have an Instagram account as well. And I do have a TikTok. I'm, I'm, I don't do a lot, like a lot on TikTok. I'm more of just an observer, but I'm on all three of those social media platforms. So yeah, definitely. I would be delighted and happy to help anyone or answer any questions. I'm an everyday mom and teacher. So if I can help in any way, I'm happy to yeah. And you did. You know, the reason why I thought TikTok is that I swear you've done a couple of TikToks, you know, like in your classroom. So well, you- I have, so you can link it. I've, I've made a few TikToks, including one with my student teacher about the fun we have on teacher work days. <laughs> I, know, I love it. I love it. And I, I'm going to come up with a, um, a reel soon. I'll try to capture some of the transformation of your classroom and things like that. So people can just get a visual um, just to really make a connection. So thank you again, Kathleen. And to everyone else, I will see you next time when I will help you design the life you deserve. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.